Victims had their hands tied behind their back, from which a rope was raised, the pressure on their shoulders excruciating. Confess, they were ordered. Confess, the victims moaned. Your heresy. Heresy, the victims wailed. Raise the rope, the inquisitors commanded. Arms were strained, shoulders popped. If the victims survived, they were stretched on the rack, and if they still survived but persisted in denying their theological error, the inquisitors thrust a tube of cloth down their throat. Water was poured. When the victims came near to drowning, the tube forcibly extracted brought with it not only water, but blood. These victims had lost both their property and the right to question their accusers. Helpless, they had only two choices, to confess and beg for mercy, but more important, to implicate fellow heretics, or else to insist that they were innocent, that jealous neighbors had lied when informing against them. To confess, even if the victim was not a heretic, brought the chance for freedom. To insist that there had been a mistake, to refuse to implicate others, caused the harshest penalty. At the Quemadero, the place of burning, the accused were dragged from prison for their auto de fe, or act of faith. All wore yellow robes and peaked caps. Those who had been sentenced to death had black flames pointing downward on their garments. The others could still not be sure that they would survive. Only when they climbed to the scaffold would they be certain of the Inquisitor's judgment. Some, a few, were set free. Their confessions had been believed. Although penance would have to be suffered, others were sentenced to prison, a reprieve of a lingering death. Still others were strangled. But the worst offenders were burned alive at the stake. Their ashes were scattered along with those of suspected heretics, who died before the Inquisitors could question them. Even after death, those suspected heretics were not immune, their bodies exhumed and purified by flames. This zealous protection of the faith persisted for a longer period of time than is generally realized. For centuries, from the close of the Middle Ages into the Renaissance, and then to the so-called Age of Enlightenment, the Inquisition enforced its beliefs. Only in 1834 was the institution finally disbanded, officially at any rate. But there were rumors. 1. Causes and Consequences The Lord is my witness. 1. Senate Clean Air Battle Looms Washington, D.C., June 10th, A.P. In this year's most tense confrontation between Democrats and Republicans, the Senate today begins its debate on the controversial Barker-Hudson Clean Air Bill, which advocates that the nation not only adopt but exceed the stringent atmosphere control policies recently adopted in California. Our air is as foul as the smoke from a field of burning tires, Senator Barker, Democrat, New York, announced in a smoggy press conference on the steps of the Capitol building yesterday. Take a deep breath. That is, if you're brave enough. Try not to gag. We ought to be wearing gas masks. And stay indoors, the bill's co-sponsor, Senator Hudson, Democrat, New Hampshire, added. My wife and I went out for a stroll last night. Five minutes was all we could bear. We rushed back home and made sure all the windows were closed. I gave up smoking a dozen years ago. Might as well not have bothered. According to my statistics, the atmosphere is so filthy, we inhale the equivalent of two packs of cigarettes every day. If you don't care about yourselves, then at least protect your children. We've got to stop destroying their and your lungs. The Barker-Hudson bill advocates a complete ban on smoking in all public places, an exorbitant fine for car and truck manufacturers if they fail to reduce emissions within two years, an equally exorbitant fine for industries that fail to reduce atmospheric pollution within the same length of time.
a surcharge on automobile license fees for owners of more than one vehicle, a mandatory air exhaust filtration system outside restaurants, dry cleaners, and... 2. Georgetown, Washington. As was his custom, the Republican senior senator from Michigan, Roland Davis, woke at 6 a.m., careful not to disturb his wife. He went downstairs, made coffee, fed his cat, leaned out the front door to pick up the Washington Post, and carried the folded newspaper into the kitchen. The June sunrise shone dully through a smog-hazed bay window onto the table. Davis sipped his steaming coffee, put on his glasses, spread open the paper, and scanned it for any mention of his name. He didn't have to read far. The headline referred to the Barker-Hudson bill, and in the ensuing two-column story, Davis was frequently cited as the leader of the Republican Party's opposition to an extreme, repressive, radical, and economically suicidal approach to a temporary, admittedly serious problem that requires time and care to be...